Grace, mercy, and the peace of God our Father and our Lord Jesus be with you. This morning as we continue our series about living hope, we come to this section in chapter 2 about living stones. Today we're going to talk about living stones and Jesus being our cornerstone, which is why we sang that hymn just now. It is also Mother's Day, and so to connect those two thoughts, um, I have a memory of a time uh, of building a rock wall um, at my mom and dad's house. Well, it's actually now my younger sister's house. It's the house where, in fact, my dad grew up, and then we lived there when I was young, and my sister lives there now. That house had an addition put on it in um, the mid-70s, and the addition had a garage underneath and my parents' bedroom on the top, and it was at the end of the house. So to get to the garage, though, the driveway was over on the other side. So the driveway went around behind the house and came in. And it was on a slope, so there was a bit of a downhill. So to get to the garage level, there, was, there were rock walls on the two sides. The one side was original, had been there for a long, long time. The other side was... Um, somewhat, I think, um, old, but probably rebuilt about the time of the addition. Well, sometime probably in the mid-80s or so, the rocks kind of had gotten pushed out by the, the soil kind of settling behind them, and it was just a dry stack of rocks, this retaining wall. So um, coming around to go in the garage, there were times when the car door to the rock wasn't very far and I remember my mom a bit worried about it, uh, worried that the, the rock would catch the edge of the door at some point. And so I had this idea that because my mom wanted it stacked more vertically again and not bulging out, that I would rebuild this rock wall. And so I started. Some afternoon, I probably should have been doing something else. Um, I decided to start pulling rocks out, and I was going to take the rocks out and restack them vertically, and everything was going to be great. Have it done in one day, or so I thought. By late afternoon, all I had accomplished was pulling rocks out of the wall, and nothing was put back, and it kind of made a mess of the whole thing. And I remember that my mom started helping because we wanted to have it done. We wanted to be able to get the cars into the garage actually again. And then we realized that just restacking those rocks was not the best way to rebuild this rock wall. And so a call was made to a guy named Jeff, and Jeff had some experience and had some equipment. Jeff was a a person who laid tile mostly on floors, but also like walls and bathrooms and things like that. Um, So he knew how to handle these kind of materials and had the equipment necessary. And so he brought over a tray to mix concrete mortar stuff with and helped us to pour a footer underneath and helped us to start stacking rocks with the concrete to make it last. Well, I think that rock wall still stands. I actually haven't been there for a couple years, um, so I'm not 100% positive, but... But it was a, uh, a, a long-lasting project. Thankfully, something that I haven't repeated. <laughs> I haven't 
tried to rebuild another rock wall since that day. I learned some things through that. I learned that a rock wall is better on a footer, better with that concrete mortar in between. I learned that it's hard work to do so, and I learned the importance of help. But more than that, I think I learned the importance of having a solid construction and a solid foundation. In this text from 1 Peter chapter 2, we recognize that Christ is our cornerstone. There's a hymn by that name. We could have shared that hymn as well. Christ is our cornerstone, our foundation, and we build on him as the rock. He is chosen as, and precious. Verse 4 said this, as you come to him, that is to the Lord, as a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Those words are repeated in verse 6, which is a quote of Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. He's chosen and precious in the sight of God. He's the Son of God, the one and only Savior. He's, He's chosen in God as we are chosen, but different from how we are chosen. He's precious in the sight of God as the one who laid down his life. He's chosen and precious for us as well. He's our Savior and precious in our sight because of his sacrifice on our behalf. But he's a stone of stumbling, verse 8 tells us, for those who do not believe. Rejected by the builders. Verse 7 quotes Psalm 118 verse 22, that he's the stone that was rejected. Rejected by men through unbelief, through self-sufficiency, through all the ways that we try to build our lives on our own resources, our own strength, our own structure, our own plans. People naturally do that. We build our lives really without a plan in a lot of ways. We kind of go from here to there, just meandering through life sometimes. We, we build without a solid foundation. We just get started and go. We build without understanding of what might work. Without idea, I, I think this could, could work. I think I could, I could build on this. We build on our own strength or our own power, like I mentioned, and it, starts to sound like a rock wall I tried to build. Without a lot of forethought, without a foundation, just based on what I thought I could get done in one day, which didn't work out so well. The cornerstone is critical. In any building, in any foundation, the cornerstone is critical. Peter, the one who wrote this epistle, this letter to churches, in Asia Minor, uh, that was the destination for his, his writing to the early church scattered. And, and he had memories of experiences. I mean, this is Peter, the one who stepped out of the boat onto the water. This is Peter who rebuked Jesus. This is, well, Peter who denied Jesus too. But Peter, after the resurrection, in Acts chapter 4, speaking before the council, verses 11 and 12 of Acts 4, he says this, 
This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Again, a nod to Psalm 118. And he goes on in verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's what makes Jesus the the cornerstone, the foundation on which we build. The cornerstone of the construction is, is like the footer underneath that rock wall. It's the basis. It's the first thing, and it's important. The footer that we poured for that rock wall, we, we built some uh, wood structure in which we put the concrete. So we had dug down and put some rock underneath that just to give it a good firm surface or base to put that in. And then we, we built the wood framing and then we poured the concrete in there. The wall would be the shape of the footer. So we had to have a plan for how that was going to look. What was the right curvature to it? Where exactly did it need to be? In a lot of ways, the cornerstone is similar to that. Cornerstone in an in a ancient construction wasn't just a marker. I remember in, uh, when I grew up, the, the church I went to for years and years um, had a cornerstone. That's what we called it anyway. On the, the side of the brick building, There was one concrete stone. It was fairly large. It was on a corner, um, and it had the year on it in which that part of the building was built. It was set into the the brick. The rest was red brick around it, and so it did look different. But the function of it was decorative. It was just there as a decoration and a a year marker. It didn't have a function other other than to show the year. That's really all it accomplished. The cornerstone in the the more ancient construction that Peter would have had in mind was the one that set the direction of the walls. It It would be carefully cut to make that angle, to set the corner, and it would be set there so that the walls would go in the right directions, so that the building could be built and it would be quality construction. Jesus is the basis on which we are built. And we are built on the rock. Well, there's another here. Built on the rock, the church shall stand. We're built on the rock, and we are the church. Beginning of verse 5 in 1 Peter chapter 2, says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. We're being built up. We're like living stones, part of the dwelling place of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he dwells within us. We who are chosen in him. We who are precious in his sight, not on our own merit or on what we have done, but because of Jesus. We are like living stones built into this spiritual house. The church, the church is not a building. It is us. Believers in Jesus, called in him, fed by him, growing up into salvation, which is found in verse 2. 
That's what makes the church. So even though we can't gather in this building that we call the church, we're still the church. We've talked about for years and years, oh, let's go to church on a Sunday. You are the church. We are the church. There's a Sunday school song in there, too. We are the church, the body of our Lord. There's some claps in it. I'll sing it for you sometime. We are the church believers in Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the chosen people of God, a holy nation, a people who have been called from darkness into the light, a people who have been redeemed by Jesus. We are God's people who have received mercy. At the end of our reading in verse 10, Peter says this, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter was writing this to a fairly diverse group of people living in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, who didn't have the cohesiveness of the people who'd come out of, of the Jewish history and background. So believers in Jesus in, in Palestine, in Israel, had that commonality already. The people in Asia Minor, not as much. We're a diverse group with a variety of backgrounds. We might not have much in common from where we grew up to language we speak, our primary language at least, uh, for some of us. Uh, our histories are different. Our, our lives are different. Our, our jobs are different. Our families are different. Our, our likes, our dislikes, and all the things about us except for this one thing that we share a common faith in Christ. That's what makes us the church. We're not a club of common interest. We're a people gathered around the cross of Christ, around this living hope that we have in us. And we're built on the foundation of Jesus in order that we offer sacrifices to God through him, through Jesus. Every building has a purpose. Some are built to be dwellings. Some are built to hold businesses. Some as meeting places. Some to be restaurants, stores, schools. And the list goes on. No one builds a building without a plan for what it will be used for. Don't start throwing a building together and think, now what might someone use this for? What could we do with this building that we've built? That's not a good way to do it. As we are built up into this spiritual dwelling, it is to offer spiritual sacrifices. This is the end of verse 5. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The construction of the building, beginning at that foundation, is aimed at the function. Our function is to proclaim and to offer spiritual sacrifices as a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. All that's in verse 9. 
We are a royal priesthood to make sacrifices. That takes people, the, uh, people who heard this uh, originally would have, would have immediately thought of the temple in Jerusalem and the sacrificial system that God had put in place long before Jesus. There were sacrificial altars and there were things that people would bring to the temple in order that the priests would offer these sacrifices to God. Some of those sacrifices were for the sins of the people. The sacrifices we offer are not for our sin. That sacrifice was made. When Jesus said it is finished, that's what he meant. It's finished. We no longer make sacrifices for our sin, yet we are called in this verse to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So what do those sacrifices look like? A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of, of prayer, of worship, of devotion and dedication in our lives to following Jesus. That's what it looks like to make a sacrifice now. This side of the sacrifice of Jesus. That our sacrifices are in the spiritual realm. Directed toward living lives in this hope of the resurrection. In this hope of Easter. We make sacrifices in our giving. In our life choices. In the things that we do. In the ways that we live. As people who are called. Who are set apart. Who are built up into this spiritual dwelling, the church. And we are living stones. We're living stones. As you come to him who is a living stone, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. We're the stones. Living memorials of Jesus. His stone was rolled away, and so we recognize and remember that hope that we have in Easter. We mark that as living memorials. There are a lot of places where stones are used to mark burial places, headstones, or other landmarks that remember someone of the past, monuments. We went to Washington, D.C. There's some famous monuments there to presidents long gone by. Stone structures, the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument, and so on. As living stones, we remember we are memorials to one who lived 2,000 years ago and still lives. As living memorials, we celebrate not his life that he lived, but that he lives still today and now and even here, that Jesus is alive. There are memorial stones in the Old Testament as well. Jacob, after the vision, uh, the whole um, ladder, Jacob's ladder, um, when he had slept, he erected a stone after that and named that place Bethel, house of God. After crossing the Jordan River, the tribes of Israel are, are told to bring 
one stone for each tribe and set those stones up after they'd crossed through the river so that when the children would ask, what do these stones mean, the story could be told. And another one, Samuel erected his Ebenezer, the stone of help is what that means. When God gave victory over the Philistines. In all of these cases, it was to remember something that God had done. Something God had revealed. Something God had shown to his people. And so as living stones, we remember what God has done. What God has showed to us. We recall what God has done for us in Jesus. That he's done everything. In Christ on our behalf. There's a cliche that we sometimes use. If these walls could talk. It might be familiar. A lot of times it's used to, to think about. Well if these walls could talk. What kind of stories would they tell. About things that happened here. Sometimes it's said of a, of a house. Or um, a, a particularly important building. If these walls could talk. What kind of stories would they tell about the history of this congregation, of events that have happened here, of worship services that have taken place here? What kind of stories would they tell about things that happened in the midst of these walls? Later today, a lot of families will be gathering via telephone, some via similar technology to what we're using right now to, to chat, to say Happy Mother's Day to, to mom. Or a variety, a handful, a collection of moms in the chat. Sometimes when we gather as families, there's oftentimes, with my family at least, there's stories that are told. Oh, do you remember when? Do you remember that time? And the story is told about a particularly important event. A happy occurrence, hopefully. Positive memories about exciting things that happened. Other stories get told as well. Sometime in the 1980s, it was my parents' wedding anniversary, which happens uh, in June. And I was at baseball practice. And in the course of that practice, I was tagging a, a sliding runner. And his, his foot caught the side of my face. And it punctured my lip all the way through because I had braces and it just pushed my lip hard enough that it put a hole through it. Second time that it happened, actually, for me. The first time I was playing racquetball in the dark, that's another story. For the first time, I remember we went to the hospital and the plastic surgeon and he, he squirted saline into it and it came out the other side and and my mom nearly passed out. That's one of those stories that sometimes is told. An event. And it was remembered because it was unique. It was different. It was, well, painful. <laughs> but also it was um, a time when, you know, mom was with me. Today's Mother's Day. It's a good time to tell stories to tell your mom how she made a difference in your life. Mom, I know you've tuned in, so thanks for everything that you've done for me. 
not just for Neely passing out or for working with me on a rock wall, but, well, there's a long, long list that we don't have time to talk about. If these walls could talk, if the stories could be told of everything we have to be grateful for, everything we have to be thankful for, we wouldn't run out of stories. As living stones proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that's in verse 9, we wouldn't run out of stories. The excellencies of God are such a long list, infinite really, of all that he has done. And we are the walls as living stones. We are the ones who can talk, who can proclaim, who can share these stories. What stories need to be told and who needs to hear? We are living stones built into this structure that we call church. We're living stones called to proclaim his excellencies. We're living stones because we've come to him, the living stone, the one who was rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God, the cornerstone on which we are built, the foundation for our faith, our hope. Let's proclaim in word and in action what Jesus means to us. Let's be living stones, living memorials to Jesus. Amen.